the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's a piece yours truly hosted that I trust you will enjoy. Joined by Michael Shear of the New York Times. Good morning, Michael. Always good to talk to you. Happy to be here, Hugh. How are you? Great. First question. Do you write the headlines on the stories <laughs> that carry your byline? Uh, no, we there's a uh, in our editorial system. There's a way for us to suggest headlines, which in uh, some cases I do if I have the time. Um, in uh, in other cases I don't. But ultimately, other other folks choose our headlines. I must yeah, that that is my situation with the Washington Post as well. So when I read uh, the story on June 8th, the headline of which is Mexico agree to take border actions months before Trump announced tariff deal, and then I read the story, the story did not match the headline, and I wondered. I wonder if Michael wrote that headline. Did you write that headline? I, I didn't write that headline. I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I, I, look, I think that sometimes headlines have to, by definition, simplify, and um, and they never can kind of quite capture the nuance that you can capture in, you know, 15, 13, 14, 1500 words. So what my take on this whole situation, I want your reaction to my take is, Months ago, Mexico told Secretary Nielsen, we'll send the National Guard to the southern border. Maybe as many as a thousand National Guardsmen went down, but nothing really had happened. The president nine days ago threatened a tariff. Mexico came to the table in a hurry. Not only did they agree to up the deployment to 6,000, they agreed to increase the number uh, of efforts to keep uh, asylum seekers in Mexico. Moreover, my reporting yesterday with one of the participants in the negotiations is that there is a signed agreement that remains secret, that there are copies of it that are floating around. I hope to get my hands on it today. And so this represents a significant victory for the Trump administration if Mexico follows through on what they agreed to do over the last nine days. Your comments, Michael. Well, I, look, I think certainly part of that is very true, which is the, the uh, you know, the, the question of whether or not Mexico follows through. The, the Trump administration and the president in particular have been incredibly frustrated with what they say is Mexico's sort of foot dragging on all of this. Um, so I think to the extent that um, and to the extent that this agreement and the sort of high-profile nature of it and the continued threats of tariffs make the Mexico government, you know, sort of follow through on their promises, I think that's true. I, the one thing I would say is I think the agreements that were reached um, on uh, on troops in March and um, on the Remain in Mexico, what, what people call the MPP program, uh, back in December, my sourcing, my reporting suggests that those were much more significant than maybe your description would suggest that, that that they were, in fact, agreements. They weren't just sort of, uh, you know, casual conversations between officials. Um, and and so the, the question really is one, as you, as you rightly point out, of follow-through, not so much kind of what the agreements themselves said. Uh, have you uh, talked to any of the participants, either on the Mexican or the American side, who were in the final negotiations with Mexico over the weekend? Uh, who are in? Oh, well, look, I, I can't. Um, I, I don't want to um, talk about sources uh, who uh, 
you know, agreed to speak to me on condition that I wouldn't identify them. And I don't want to say anything that would identify them. I, let's just say that uh, I am confident uh, in the characterizations that we've that, that, that have run under my byline on both the negotiations and the discussions this past weekend, as well as uh, the negotiations and the discussions over the last six or seven months. Well, I'm very confident of that, too. I'm just wondering if anyone who was in the in the negotiation has told you of the agreement that has been signed over the weekend of which copies exist, because I did talk to a participant in the agreement uh, in the negotiations. There is a signed agreement. The, tr- the, the president referred to it in passing in his tweets this morning. Uh, so right. I think it's going to slip out. Did anyone tell you about that? So I am. Uh, uh, I would like to know more about uh, what the president has been tweeting about all weekend. Uh, he seems to suggest that uh, the document that the State Department released to the public and to the press uh, Friday night, which uh, was essentially a one-page description or summary of what the two sides had agreed to, the president seems to be suggesting that a that there's a, a, a document with signatures that that would make sense that that would be the case, but b that there are provisions in that signed document that aren't that weren't announced publicly and that weren't um, you know part of that document official document that the State Department released on Friday night. I, I have not seen that. I would like to see it. And obviously, you know, if if there are if there's more to this agreement than you know the public has knows and that the, that the two sides have admitted to, um, that's interesting. And, and obviously, you, you know, one would have to then assess. You know, whether you're a, a partisan or a, uh, an analyst or somebody on either side of the border, you'd have to assess what the agreement uh, might do based on the, you know, the full contents of, of uh, what they've agreed to. Yeah, I'm both a partisan and an analyst. And when I dug into this, I want to know if it was a real deal, if it was a real breakthrough, because I have been. As a Californian for 30 years, Mexico has been agreeing for 30 years to do stuff at the border that they don't do. And so if they actually got. 6,000 troops committed and deployed to the Guatemalan border in the next three months. That would be huge. And if there's a uh, a side deal that has not yet been revealed that says what my participants told me it says, it would also be huge. Which brings me to the problem, though. After I wrote my piece about Trump's big win, 7,000 people commented on it on The Washington Post, 6,900 of whom said, your piece contradicted my take. I don't think it does. I think your headline or the headline in the Times contradicts my analysis. But I don't think that's actually good journalism, because if if it happened, what happened, I'm told and reported has happened. It is a huge deal. Is there, in fact, a problem now that the media is rooting against the president, Michael? And second question, do people think the media is rooting against the president? Right. I mean, look, I I read your column. I I, I tend to agree with you. Let's put aside the headline for a minute, because I think you could, you know, you could focus too much on eight words or whatever it is. I I think if if you read our piece, what our piece was was analyzing and what our piece was trying to kind of point out was that the deal as presented, and it very clearly said... You know, that what we were talking about was what the, that the deal that the president had announced on Friday, right, was uh, and, then, and then we analyzed the, the ways in which it was or wasn't uh, a kind of a, a fully, wholly new uh, approach or a new deal. Uh, you know, to the extent that people are using people on both sides use our reporting and distort reporting to make their own points or make their own arguments, um, 
you know, look, I think we have a responsibility to be accurate, to say exactly what our, you know, we mean and to not go beyond what our sources are telling us. Um, you know, to the extent that people are using that reporting to make a, a point that they want to make because they're a partisan on one side or the other, um, you know, I, I mean, I feel, I feel bad for the state of our political discourse, but I'm not sure that indicts journalism uh, as much as it does the kind of nature of our political discussion. You know what I think it does? I think it increases the need for There are nonpartisan journalists. You are among them. Maggie Martin is among them. I am a partisan journalist. Uh, Rachel Maddow is a partisan journalist. So there are partisans and there are nonpartisans. You're a nonpartisan. I think it increases the pressure on nonpartisans to put up in the top nuts in the first graphs. Uh, this graph, for example, you write, Mexico promises, quote, to deploy up to 6,000 National Guard troops larger than their previous pledge. And the Mexican government agreed to accelerate the migrant protection protocols that could help reduce what Mr. Trump calls catch and release of migrants in the United States by giving the country a greater ability to uh, make asylum seekers wait in Mexico. To me, that's the key paragraph. But it's in paragraph eight or nine. And therefore... Uh, you know, in our in our age, people don't actually read anything except the headlines, Michael Shear. It makes me crazy. Well, I mean, look, I, I think you can certainly argue, and, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to uh, claim that, that uh, every one of my articles is perfectly ordered and perfectly written. You can make an argument that that should have been moved up higher. I think I put that in specifically for the reasons that you suggest, which yes. is to say, you know, which is to say, you know, I mean, in journalism, we call it the to be sure graphs, right? Like, you, you know, the, our reporting, my reporting suggested that there was a lot to this agreement that was not new. But I wanted this, I, I wanted the, the readers to understand. And, you know, you hope as a reader that they read to paragraph nine. It's not that many paragraphs, um, but that you, you, you I wanted them to understand that. That, that what my sources were telling me is that is that there were some things that could be perceived as new, especially if the Mexican government follows through on these promises. So, you know, yes, the, the you know, from what I can understand, the pledges that they made on the on the remain in Mexico uh, proposal, if it suddenly accelerates and instead of 8000 people remaining in Mexico, you have 50,000 migrant uh, uh, asylum seekers, that would be a huge change. But that's but that's not that's not the, the nature of the agreement. It's whether or not uh, the Mexicans follow through on something that they have long said that they would follow through on. 100 uh, percent agree with that last question, Michael. Let's yep. say the agreement reached on Sunday with the vice president, the secretary of state and others associated with them was exactly the same agreement that Secretary Nielsen reached with the Interior Secretary months ago. Exactly the same. Mm -hmm. But that they did follow through with their commitments now, and they had not followed through since March. Would that be a significant uh, victory in the Trump administration's negotiations with Mexico, in your view? Um, I mean, look, I I don't know that I'm I'm the one to be declaring victory for the Trump administration. They can do it. But look, if the what it would represent is a a very dramatic shift in the Mexican government's um, uh, uh, actions vis-a-vis this administration. And I think if you were analyzing it, you would have to say, why did they shift? Assuming, you know, we're, we're playing your hypothetical out, assuming they actually act in a more aggressive way. And I think the conclusion you would come to is that it was the president's threat Yes. Of tariffs that would that got them there. So today, and I don't even like the threat. I don't I don't right. like the threat in tariffs. It's, it's free traders don't like to use trade right. as a means of national security. But 
if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't work, it didn't work. I just I think it's going to become impossible to get news if people can't agree on narrative. Right. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's part of the I, I think the the dilemma with our really divided politics right now is that not that we argue about the facts. I mean, argue about what the facts mean, but we are, they, we argue about what the facts are. And that's 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 a, a problem for our democracy. I think. Michael Shear, always a pleasure to talk to you. Follow him at Shear M. Read everything he does. Read the story, not the headline. He and Maggie Haberman's piece is an important piece. Go and read it. Of course, you should read my column, which is an even more important column. But nevertheless, read them both. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.